myself did not know him. All righty. You want to go ahead and make your way back to your seat? Vinny, if you can give me a little more volume in this. All right, there you go. We are going to continue our way in our study on pressing on in 2015. Go ahead and make your way back to your seats. If you were here last last week, we talked about how inseparable the idea of hearing and doing are in Scripture. And as I was praying about it, I really felt like, God, sometimes, you know, we'll acknowledge, yeah, hear and do, hear and do, right? You have to not just hear it, but you have to do it. And sometimes uh, I realized as I was prepping for today that, that we, we get that, but what we don't really sometimes do is, is take the time to hear, to be still, and to listen. So, so let's, just, let's just take a moment to be still and prepare ourselves to hear. If you can hear that, that is the Gospel of John being read. And that was playing all through the meet and greet. That's been on for about three minutes, five minutes. And we weren't aware. It was at that volume the whole time. And sometimes the challenge, even in church, is to listen. Because God wants to speak, and He is. But are we listening? Are we listening? Nothing wrong with meeting greed. Don't get me wrong with that. Nothing wrong with hugging and saying hi. But that was on. That was on. And as we got quiet, His voice got louder. And they weren't playing with the volume. As we got quiet, huh? What? Huh? So it's not just that we acknowledge, oh yeah, we have to hear and do. It's inseparable, right? When Jesus says in Matthew uh, thirteen nine, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." How many of you are familiar with that phrase? Right? He says it a few times. We often think, oh, he's really, he really wants us to listen, right? We've learned based on last Sunday when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What he's saying is, hey, did you hear me? Now do it. That's what that means. It doesn't mean, hey, listen closely. When Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, hey, you heard what I said. Now respond. That's what that really means. It's, it's an exclamation point of doing, right? And we get that. But many of us, the challenge isn't 
necessarily linking hearing and doing. That's pretty straightforward. We saw that last Sunday. The challenge is just hearing. Just quieting ourselves to hear Him speaking. To hear Him speaking. And boy, isn't that tough. Isn't that tough? In, in the pace of our culture, in the pace of our society, the hardest thing is to listen. To listen. I was joking with, with the guys in prayer before service, and I'm guilty of this too. How many of us have a quiet time? Quiet time? We're pretty regular, right? Reading through the plan, reading through the Bible plan, right? We read, right? We do that in the morning. We get to our spot, and, and we, we, we spend our quiet time, and we say, we finish, and we say our prayer, and we say, Amen! And we get up, and we're ready to start our day. How many of us perhaps have never thought that right when you say amen, God's about to say, eh. Right? Like, how many of us in our quiet time do all the talking, do all the reading, say amen, and when it comes time to listen, Bill, I had something to say to you about what you read. Bill, I was going to make application for your life. What's going to happen in five hours? It's the listening. It's the discipline to sit. It's one of the the things I learned early. Just as a believer, in quiet time, you have to to literally carve out almost uh, just as much time for the listening aspect. We tend to define our quiet time as I pray and I read. And when I'm done praying and when I'm done reading, my quiet time is over. That's kind of like half of the deal. The other half is, okay, now I'm going to sit and be quiet. It's already getting uncomfortable for some. Ten seconds in and... Not only is it a physical challenge for some to sit still, your mind's going somewhere right now. Right? One of the things that, that we learned when we were raising our kids, took a little uh, biblical parenting course, and one of the things that, that they taught us when your kids get kind of antsy, and my wife uses this in her classroom too, is when kids get antsy and they're having a hard time sitting still, you just have them do this. And just this physical thing helps release that restlessness. Interesting. You just kind of do this and you'll see them kind of, right? Some of us need to do this. At the end of quiet time, you just need to say, okay, now I'm now it's my turn to listen. I'm just going to sit. I'm not going to think about my to-dos. I'm not going to think about, you know, all the stuff. I'm going to listen. Boy, that's tough. Boy, that's tough. I... I read something this past week in a week and it was talking about the frequency at which we check our phones and the high percentage of people that will check their phone one hour before sleep and within one hour of waking up. I shared weeks and weeks ago, I was guilty of that. I would wake up and the first thing I would do would turn on my phone and go right to the news. And, and they said one of the reasons that we get, have gotten so caught up in this check my phone before I go to sleep, check my phone, when I, is we're afraid of missing something. 
So we're, right when we get up, we're not even listening anymore. We're already engaged in the culture. Right? And God says, hey, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And first thing for many of us today is, I've got to discipline myself to just hear, to, to actually carve out time to let him talk so I know what to do. So I know what to do. Lord, speak to me, right? Turn to John 10. We've been talking about this covenant relationship with Jesus, diatheke, greater to lesser. And we refer to this passage, but we're going to come back to it this morning, where Jesus is really the shepherd. And in this passage, in the context, he's calling out his sheep, right? So John 10, starting in verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling. He was speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, right? And he paints this wonderful, wonderful, and it's very important, personal, relational picture of a shepherd and his sheep. Right? In John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commands or you'll obey me. One of the important things to understand in obedience, okay, biblically, it centers around relationship. It's not about compliance, not about rules and regulations. Our obedience, this is very important because many of us have grown up maybe in school settings and other settings where obedience was just strictly to a set of do's and don'ts, very impersonal, right? Biblically, obedience is personal, If you love me, you'll obey me. Obedience flows out of a relationship. And that's what he's talking about here, a shepherd to his sheep, right? And and if you're familiar with this, some of you have studied this passage or heard it. Back in, in this culture, right, in the villages, in the evening, they would have a common sheep pen. And all the shepherds would come down out of the hills and they would enter through a doorway, right? They would let all the sheep in. For the evening, and then there would be a porter or a gatekeeper who was there to protect the sheep and all that. Okay, So all the sheep from three or four shepherds, however many shepherds, would come in. All the sheep would sleep together and spend the night. In the morning, each shepherd would come one at a time, and they would have their own call. And so a shepherd would stand outside, do his call, and his sheep would walk out. That's what would happen. still happens. Very personal. Shepherds spend so much time with sheep, sometimes they name them based on their characteristics. Right? He calls them out by name. But in general, what would happen, in order to get all the mixed sheep out and separated, all they would have to do is their unique call. And the sheep would follow. Beautiful picture. And today, the question is, because it says here, right, 
says the verse 3, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls him his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his sheep, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Would you know it if he was talking? Would you know that it was his voice? And that's kind of the, the heart today. You know, sometimes we, we as pastors, we, we try to encourage you in your, in your sanctification. We say, well, to grow, you should, you should read, you should pray, you should attend church and all this. And, and, and if we're not careful, we forget to tell you why to do that. And so what happens is you become a dutiful, faithful, obedient Christian with the best of intentions because you're doing a lot of stuff that the pastor said you're supposed to do. Let me help you understand why you read, why you pray, why you even come to church. Why? To learn to hear His voice. The more time you spend with Him, the shepherd, the more intimate you become with Him, the more you learn to discern His voice. That's kind of the relational aspect of quiet time and prayer and even service. Everything you do is really an opportunity to grow in the ability to hear His voice. Why? Because you need to hear His voice to know what to do. So everything that we really revolve around is really love manifested by hearing His voice and then doing what you hear. The question for us is, do you know His voice? Do you know His voice? That's why the, the series is wonderful, Discerning God's Voice, right? And, and as, as we, I was thinking about where we, where we could look today, and you see in your notes there, competing voices. How many of you would love to hear God's voice Regularly. Even, even right now would say to the best of your ability, I want to hear God's voice and when I hear it, I want to be a doer. Right? That's your heart. And I, and I, and I believe that 100%. That's my heart. And yet, you know one of the challenges? It's not that you don't want to hear God's voice. It's just that there are so many other voices going on in here. Just so many other things. And sometimes there's such a ruckus <laughs> in here. You're like, woo! I'm out. That's why this little illustration with the Word of God being read beneath all the ruckus of meet and greet, just a little illustration of our life. <laughs> Woo! So the first step, you have to acknowledge, in a sense, that there are competing voices. It, don't feel bad. We all have them. But you got to first acknowledge that so you can identify them. The first step to identifying, one of the things I learned 20 years of counseling, one of these principles that, that I learned, picked up somewhere, is you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So one of the first steps in, in sanctification and in kind of counseling situations is acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged. Then you can identify it and you can make some changes. Well, today we're going to try to hopefully acknowledge, A, that there are competing voices. Okay, who's ready to acknowledge that there are competing voices in you? All right, right? Huge step. Now we're going to identify some. Let's just identify some so that you can begin to choose who you listen to. 
How many of you, as a parent, you, you learned that your kids sometimes have selective hearing? Oh, okay, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> How many of you growing up had selective hearing when it came to your parents asking you to do things, right? I told you ten times to clean. What? You did? Usually, right, selective hearing. In some instances, we're really good at it. We can tune out a whole lot of stuff and hear what we choose to hear. Well, the same thing when it comes to knowing the Lord's voice. In a spiritual sense, kind of, you have to have spiritual selective hearing. You have to acknowledge that there's competing voices, and when you hear something, you need to develop the habit of saying, Lord, whose voice? Or, Lord, is that you or is that somebody else? And then have selective hearing about who you're going to choose to listen to. Who are you listening to, right? And so we're just walk this. Look at, let's go ahead and let's look at some, a lot of verses. Just kind of a survey. John 8:44. Right? Let's turn there. Let's look at the competing voices. John 8:44. Jesus is talking. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Sometimes that voice is the devil. Want an illustration? Go all the way back to the garden. Hey Eve, you're not going to die. Completely through doubt, completely contradicted God's word. Sometimes the voice you're hearing is, is the enemy. Satan means adversary. Okay, it could be that. The world, let's go to 1 John. First John chapter two. First John chapter two, verse fifteen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boastings of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. When he's talking about the world, he's talking about the current world's value system. Sometimes the voices that compete for God's voice in our head is the value system of the culture. Success, success, materialism, affluence, personal peace, comfort, security. Sometimes those are the voices raging in our head and it comes from the world. It comes from the world. Okay? Second Peter. Go, uh, actually, one book to the left. Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Sometimes competing voices are straight up false teachers. False prophets who are intentionally trying to deceive you. Okay, sometimes that's a voice. False teachers. Is that that you, God? Is that you? And when we shared 
I shared a couple years ago on this, uh, the emergent church and postmodernism, and, and one of the, the, the deceptions and why it sort of came into the church so, so sort of sneakily was that it was kind of brought in by people that were respected and people kind of trusted. It wasn't some like scary person. It was someone that you kind of let down your guard. You kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt. And it wasn't truth. And you started to listen. Started to listen. Okay? So it came into the church. Let's turn to 2 Timothy. So a voice might be Satan, might be the world, might be false teachers. Go to Timothy, 2 Timothy, a few books to your left. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. These people are listening to themselves. It's just all about me and what I can get and, and, and what pleases me. Look in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Sometimes the competing voice is your voice trying to get what you want, even to the point of finding people who will agree with you. Surrounding yourself with yes men and yes women. So some of those voices, right? It can be us. Even putting a spiritual spin on what the Bible says. But are really trying to, trying to manipulate it to meet our needs. Got to be very careful about that, right? Other people. Turn to Matthew 16. This, this one, this one I, I really spent some time on because... I have found this to be uh, so, so, so important to understand when it comes to listening to God's voice, to be aware even of other people, even well-meaning people, okay? Even well-meaning believers, okay? Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This is Jesus telling his disciples what's going to happen. Right? He's just saying, hey guys, by the way, let me explain to you so you're not surprised. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. I'm Jesus. I know everything. (laughs) I'm going to tell you. Look what happened. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Here's Peter who loves Jesus. Jesus just told him, Hey guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be killed. And and Peter, giving him the benefit of a doubt, well-intentioned Peter says, Oh no, Jesus, not you. No, this is never going to happen to you. Well-meaning. 
Right? But what's he doing? Contradicting. He's saying, no, that's not going to happen to the Lord. Right? We're going to look at Lord, what that means down the road here. Peter, with the best of intentions, is contradicting God. And look, look at what it says. He says this. Jesus says this. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of who? Men. If we give Peter the benefit of the doubt that he loved Jesus and didn't want Jesus to get hurt and cared about him deeply, okay, I'll give him that. But what happened is he went to the human level. And instead of listening to the voice of God through Jesus that what's going to happen, he went right, no, no, no. And Jesus gets in his face, get behind me. Adversary. Why? He was calling him on the fact that you're contradicting the word of God here. You are straight up contradicting the Word of God. That's why he was, Jesus was so rough. Do you know the story of Job and his friends? Right? In Job 2, when he's going through all this, his friends come, and the Bible says they have compassion and patience. And you know what they do? They start off really good. It says they sat quietly with him for seven days and nights. Didn't even talk. So for seven days and nights, Job's three friends are just there comforting. Just their compassion. Good. That's what friends do. And then they start talking. And the whole bulk of the, bulk of the book of Job are his friends misrepresenting God. They misrepresent God because what they, they, they accuse Job of sin and they basically say, hey, by the way, all sin is punishment. So what would you do? So these friends start out right, compassion, just being there, comfort. And then they start talking and they misrepresent God. And in Job, let's turn to Job 42. Look what happens. Job is right before Psalms. Job 42.7 After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. The Lord rebukes him and says, Hey man, you know what? You misrepresented me. You may have had the best intentions and you may have been doing your best, but you were wrong. You misrepresented me, man. And he tells him he has to repent. So one of the competing voices, guys, and this one's kind of tough because they're your friends and they care about you and they want the best for you, you have to be able to discern and ask yourself, is what my buddy, what my brother and sister in the Lord saying is even that biblical? Very important. Very important. It's one of the, 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 I've seen in in the church, one of those competing voices that someone who was solid in the Lord gets actually swayed away by other brothers and sisters who were well-meaning but weren't biblical. So we have to be very careful to say, okay, there are competing voices and here are some of them, Satan, the world, false teachers, myself, other people, well-meaning people, right? 
And then there's another list here I put there. Fear. Some of us, the, the main voice we listen to is fear. How about worry? How about doubt? How about the past? How about self-criticism? Anybody here, the voice you hear loudest is self-criticism? Oh, you're, you're, you're such an idiot. Oh, you're never going to f- succeed. Oh, you blew it again. You know what it is? That's a voice. And this morning, you've got to ask yourself, what are the voices that compete for God's voice in my life? And when I'm choosing, and sometimes what you need to do, here, here's, here's what will help you identify it. Look back objectively and look at your decision making. Your decision making, if you will step back and go, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Do that? Ask yourself, what voice was I listening to? Sometimes we've gotten so used to hearing a voice say something and we jump. We don't even know it's there anymore. Some of us are so programmed to listen to fear or worry or doubt or self-criticism. It's just natural. What are the voices that you're listening to? What are those voices? And what do you need to do to begin to say, Lord, I'm going to have selective hearing and I'm going to choose throughout the day to hear Your voice voice first and foremost. You may never be, be able to completely squash all the other ones, but you can listen to His first and foremost. You can make His the priority. You can make His the loudest. Right? What are the voices? What are the voices that you're listening to? Next week we're going to look at Peter. And Peter and the boys were in a boat and the storm was there. Remember that? And Jesus comes walking out and they say, Ah, it's a ghost! And then Peter says, Hey, if it's you, Jesus, command me to come. So all the voices of fear, all the voices of it can't happen, Jesus, uh, Peter says, if it's you, command me to come. I'm listening. I'm listening. I want to hear your voice, Jesus. And if you command me to come, I'm going to get out this boat. What is Jesus, what is God saying to you? What boat do you need to get out of? And we're going to look at those boats next week. But this week, we have to ask ourselves, what are the voices you're hearing? What, what are the voices that have so gripped you and so strangled you and so constricted you? And along comes Jesus and says, Hey, my, my sheep, hear my voice and come follow me. Please, sir. Hear my voice. Just come follow me. Oh, wait, that's the shepherd. Okay. The shepherd loves me. The shepherd protects me. My shepherd cares for me. He calls my name. I just follow. That's the voice. That's the voice I want to hear. Is my shepherd's. The Lord is my shepherd. Right? If you look on the back of your outline there, I put some lyrics to a song, and we're going to close with it. It's by Casting Crowns. All the voices, it's called voice of truth. As you hear it, would you ask yourself, Lord, which voice am I listening to? Go ahead, Chuck.
takes to climb out of this boat again Under the crashing waves To step out of my comfort zone To the realm of the unknown where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand But the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times I tried before and failed The way they keep on telling me Time and time again, boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth Tells me a different story The voice of truth as we prepare for communion. May it be a reminder not just of what You did for us on the cross, Jesus, but today would it be a reminder that You are the voice of truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, there's so many competing voices. We've just touched on a few this morning. We acknowledge they're there. But we know in the power of the Holy Spirit we can choose to hear your voice. And so as we have this time of communion and reflection, would you speak to us and and maybe we need to confess that there are voices we've been listening to above yours. Maybe there are changes we need to make even in our quiet time, not just to read and talk at you, but to listen to your voice. Speak through your word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we take this time of communion, Jesus, to reflect, remember you, but also to be reminded that you are the voice of truth. And it's your voice we want to hear every day, 24-7.